0: another episode of star wars all in the show that goes all into all the details the characters the places the concepts the stuff of star wars we're gonna be talking about some really fun stuff tonight i am mac one of your hosts and i am joined by my fellow operation cinder denier
1: <laughs> ross mac great to be back as always uh it's nice to see you in person That doesn't always happen right now. Not this uh, year. In Apocalypse World. (laughs) So it's great to be back here in the Star Wars All In studios. We are in full swing of the season of giving. And we have a winner to announce. Last week we gave away a Grogu with Frog Pop, Child with Frog Pop, Baby Yoda with Frog Pop. And we (laughs) have a winner to announce. So the winner this week is... uh, On Twitter, username Hall of Fame. Nate Hawley, congratulations! Yay! Yay! Wow. Uh, So fun to be able to uh, interact with you guys and give away a few fun items this season. Uh, Stick around to the end of the show, Mm -hmm. because we will be announcing item number three for the season of giving coming at you in the conclusion of this episode, so stick around. It's a pretty good one, if I do say my song. It is. It might be the coolest one we've given away yet. Definitely the most exclusive. It's, it's probably true. Definitely
0: so, true. Uh, I want to talk about the fact that we have some really great topics. This is a topic that I think I've been pitching for almost a year. <laughs> yes. Uh, and it just was never the right time. It's still not really the right time, but it feels more right <laughs> than ever. Um, We're going to talk um, uh, about Order 66, but from a particular character's perspective. So... Uh, The main hero of Star Wars, Fallen Order, the video game that came out last year that's excellent and also very easy to get in the current times. Um, Cal
1: Kestis, we're gonna talk about his dark day going through Order 66. And a dark day it is. He is gonna have a rough one. Right. Then we're gonna follow it up by talking about another awful thing that comes from the Empire. This one uh, in another Star Wars video game From Battlefront 2, (laughs) 2. Battlefront 2, yes. Yes, Battlefront 2, 2. We are going to talk about Operation Cinder. And just a few warnings, spoilers ahead for Jedi Fallen Order, Star Wars Battlefront 2, a whole slew of Star Wars books, and Chapter 15 of The Mandalorian. So, again, be current or avoid this episode, and we'll see you on the other side of this. Hold the line, and wait for the Jedi Council signal. (laughs) Remember, trust only in my force. Yes, Mr.
0: immense order 66
1: that was spooky it is that you scared me I
0: enjoy it. this. Is the second time Ooh. I've been able to start a segment like that.
1: Yeah, and you're gonna keep doing it as many times as you can, aren't
0: you? We are gonna keep looking at this particular moment in galactic history uh, through a mm-hmm, number mm-hmm. of prisms. As we well,
1: know. it is sure one of the biggest moments uh, in all of Star Wars. So it makes sense. We Great. are back here again. This is we've talked about this in our very first episode ever. We discussed Order sixty six uh, a couple months back. We discussed Order sixty six when we talked Ahsoka, and now. Here we are again, mm-hmm. talking Cal Kestis's Order 66 from the video game Jedi Fallen Order. So, if you haven't played it and don't want a bit of a really important bit of the game spoiled for you, uh, here's your fair warning.
0: Yeah, because we we talked about how quickly we were going to talk about Fallen Order stuff, and then you know, global pandemic happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it seems like the appropriate time for two reasons. One, it's been a year, so you've had a chance to get it. And also, tons of people I know are playing Fallen Order for the first time now because of different ways of getting at it. It's it's easier, it's less expensive. Um, if you've got, like, Xbox, you get it from the EA Play for free. Like, there's a lot of ways to play this game, and I really encourage people to do because it's, it's the great hope of the future of Star Wars video mm-hmm. games, that they don't all have to just be multiplayer. Not that there's anything wrong with those, but, like... It was really great to play a very deep, yeah. powerful story of Star Wars. And one of the moments that is kind of a mystery at the beginning is we have this young Padwan who has turned his back on the force so he can survive, who has somehow avoided the purge for a number of years now. And one of the kind of lingering things is we see little artifacts like his broken lightsaber that he is the one he holds on to that, um, that he eventually we find out it was his masters. And there's just a lot of hanging things of like Cal had a really bad day. How did he escape that?
1: Yeah. Throughout the story of the game, we're seeing him essentially regain his powers, relearn to connect with the force and himself. And essentially what we come to learn to about, uh, about three quarters of the way through the game mm-hmm. is that, um, the reason he cannot access his powers and the reason why he's had to go through this whole journey to kind of discover himself is he sort of has this event that has left him with sort of PTSD. Basically he can no longer, um, Call on the force to its full potential because of what he experienced during Order sixty six, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. So this sequence in the game starts out, and Cal is essentially in his room, right? And mm-hmm. he's a young Padawan at this point, but been with his master for a number of years. Uh, he definitely feels like he's a little bit, maybe a little more like 14, 15. yeah, like that a little right. bit towards the, a little bit older than you know a teenager, but you know, still still in that young Padawan. Right, he's still. He's young enough, it's a little disturbing that he's
0: a warrior in a galactic war. Like, yes, for sure. Like, he's... Yeah, he's just... He's that nice extra
1: level of young below a Luke Skywalker of like, no, no, you are a kid. <laughs> he definitely feels like he should not be driving yet. No, exactly. Right. So here we have Cal and he's walking through the ship. And this whole sequence is great because he gets to as he passes the clone troopers who are on his ship. And it's great. They have this amazing yellow paint job, this sort of like yeah. angular triangle paint style. that's really, really cool. They're all sort of like high-fiving him and saying, hey, great job. And you can interact with them as you walk past them. And it's clear that you know you have a relationship with these soldiers and that they care about you and they fight with you and they respect you. Mm-hmm. And as you walk through the ship, you meet more clone troopers. And then you eventually reach the training room. Right. And in the training room, this is essentially a little bit more gameplay before we get to Order 66. You essentially have to show that you've mastered all of the different things you've learned so far throughout the game. So, being able to like climb and double jump and being able to manipulate objects with force pull and push and things like that, and to be able to like wall run and all these different types of things that you've mm-hmm. learned throughout the game, these powers you've accumulated, you have to use them to reach your master who is in the observation room up above you.
0: Yeah, giving you over comms. He's kind of like, kind of telling you what to focus on and uh-huh. how to, like, when you screw up, he's like, it's it's fine true do it again or like oh there is no try you must do it like just good little like barks of telling us you know the different things of showing the fact that his master is someone who cares about him but is he's a hard master he really wants cal to bring out his potential and you can tell that he's been very heavy-handed with the boy up to this point
1: yeah, they have a very good relationship for for sure and you do learn about it throughout the game, but you can tell that he is not a pushover master. No. No. He he believes that we are in a war. We are going to basically be successful in this war. We will not lose. He's, he's and not, he'll do whatever it takes to make Cal successful.
0: He's not like that Obi-Wan who's like letting things slide like you act a lot with that that uh with that Senator Anakin. Yeah. Well, if you're really good friends, I think it's fine.
1: <laughs> okay, moving
0: on. <laughs> <laughs> I was really good friends with a girl named Satie once, but I knew my place in the order. You know that, right, Anakin? Uh, you'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> Those kids. I say, uh, uh Jaro Tup- Jaro Tappel. Tapal uh, is how I was saying it. I can't it, remember yeah. his
1: last name. I remember Jaro cuz Yeah, T A P A L yeah. is how the last name is spelled uh, for sure. Um he he definitely has a, a much sterner feel to him. Yeah, he's not that Obi-Wan soft hand. So when you arrive at the training room, Master Topal is in that observation room, as, as we said, and you make your way through the room to him. So as you arrive up in the top observation deck, your master tells you you have new orders, and you're about to go from Braca to Mygito. Mm-hmm. And and, and, just, well, and to just put that in context, that is where Ayla Sakura
0: is right mm-hmm. now. And that's where in the, the montage of Order 66 in Revenge of the Sith, that's where she will fall.
1: Oh yeah, that's right, huh? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So they're headed yeah. to support her in that battle, which isn't going all isn't going great enough that they need to go support her with their mm-hmm. legion, and they're not gonna get there. Um and I also want to just mention one thing. Uh Jaro is interesting because he was especially even a year ago, felt even fresher. Was he's a Lasat, which yes. is what
1: Zeb is yes. from Rebels. And that's a species we have only seen in those two instances. Yes. Yeah. I mean, so we have not seen them a whole lot which is pretty darn cool and that would be a great action figure by the way <laughs> so let's make that happen a master toball now as they're conversing here about hey we are picking up we're moving the front we're going to a different battle uh master toball is hit with the waves of order 66 you know he can feel it happening and it's kind of that like motion sickness effect that the jedi sort of look like they get when they're hit with these terrible implications through the force
0: yeah it- The great disturbance in the force, like waves in a pond, except Order 66 is like a tidal wave. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I mean, we've seen Ahsoka experience it. Oh, excuse me. We've seen Yoda experience it. So we've seen this a few times before, and as this is happening, we see the clone trooper who is behind him Mm -hmm. get the order. We sort of hear it happening sort of in the background, and Cal screams out as the trooper points his blaster at his master, and his master is able to basically just kind of without even looking disarm and kill the clone and basically to is like okay here's what we have to do i'm gonna create a distraction you're gonna use the service corridors which are basically inside of the ship you know moving opposite and well parallel to the regular hallways but behind the walls essentially right the corridors the crawl spaces yeah, yeah you're gonna crawl through the
0: crawl spaces
1: yeah. to to avoid the troopers yeah. and in a ship get- they just happen to be quite large because
0: they're big mechanical pieces and Star Destroyers are bigger than most buildings. <laughs>
1: hmm. Okay, so they start to head through, and Cal makes his way through the hallway. And throughout the whole sequence, you're seeing clone troopers, and you know you're deflecting blaster bolts, but you're not really actively fighting them. And you don't want to. Like yeah.
0: they did a good job of again reminding you of like these are your friends, these are comrades in battle, these are their brothers with each other, and they you're part of their family yeah. in a way. Like so it it. They did a good job of framing just how good it was so that it really feels, you're with Cal of like, I don't want to fight you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's exactly right. And I mean, it's, it's purposeful. I mean, they're very much playing at your heartstrings of this is an unwinnable situation for both sides. Right. Because you have an enemy who completely is out of their control, what's happening? And here you have this kid who's just thrown into a crazy situation, right? right. So as Cal makes his way through the ship, he, uh, you know, this is a good chance where you get to test out some of those more force powers you've learned as well, right? But eventually he gets to sort of a big open reactor room, and two clones shoot his lightsaber out of his hand. And just when he thinks, you know, he might be about to be finished by these clones, Master Tapal comes up behind him and dispatches those two clones. Right. But he did lose his lightsaber. Over yes. the edge it goes. Permanently gone. Gone yep. forever. We will never see Cal's saber again. He'll eventually make it. <laughs> as you play the game, you can make your
0: own. So Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. He He gets a saber for sure. Um, but he loses his true yeah. Jedi saber. Yeah, his life, as Obi-Wan would say. Yes. He's lost it.
0: Yes, But not like Anakin cavalierly every couple of months.
1: No, apparently apparently not. I still would love to know how many sabers Anakin lost. We know he's at least down three, I think. We've seen him lose a couple, yeah. Well,
0: we see him lose one in episode two. Yeah. Obi-Wan mentions that it's not the first time. Yep. And then Obi-Wan takes that one from him on Mustafar. Yep. So we're For at least sure. three down. Yeah.
1: Oh, classic Anakin. <laughs> So as uh, there's one great scene as Cal continues through the ship where he sort of opens a door for waiting clone troopers. He opens a door for his master who's able to kind of come through and slaughter the troopers that are in there, uh, which is a really nice, fun little thing because you're watching it from behind like an observation deck. And this is where I because the whole time, of course, you know, you're assuming your master's going to die during this. Yeah. And I was waiting for it to happen here at this moment, like you're trapped behind a window, you can see it, but you can't do anything, you don't have a lightsaber, what are you going to do? But they both make it to the entrance to the escape pod together, right. and as Cal is opening the doors, a whole wave of clones come in. Right, And Master T'Pol is blocking them with the lightsaber, but after a few seconds he takes a shot and is weakened, and then takes a couple more and goes down. However, he uses a last-ditch effort with the Force to throw some of the clones against the ceiling, and Cal uses a Force freeze. uh, If you don't remember, this is what we see Kylo Ren do at the beginning of The Force Awakens to Poe Dameron the first time we had ever seen it there, and now we're seeing it here in the video game. Yeah. It makes them essentially look like they're vibrating, like they're standing still but vibrating, and he drags the body of Master DePaul back into the escape pod, and they launch. And as Cal holds his master, who's dying in his arms, he tells him, I've set the ship to self-destruct, so that way it will cover your escape. Here, take this lightsaber, hold the line, wait for communication from the Jedi Council. The war is not over. And then his, like, last thing is, trust only in the Force. Mm -hmm. And as Cal drops to Bracca, the ship explodes behind them as Cal sits in his seat clutching the lightsaber and literally just screaming. Right. It, and then the whole thing cuts to white and you're back out of this force vision that you were just having.
0: And you realize that the lightsaber you've been carrying most of the game is the cleaved half of his master's double-bladed lightsaber. Mm-hmm. And it's and it, it makes it hurt so much more of like, he's literally been in,
1: in a way, like, as you said, this is your life. He's been holding the corpse of his master the yeah, entire game. <laughs> absolutely. And it just makes everything about Cal's story, that much more real because once you've lived it, you can relate to that character so much more. And to learn that last little bit about his master, to learn about how he ended up on Braca, which is where we first meet him right. when we start the game, you know, all those hours ago before this cutscene. Yeah. Cause once he's on Braca,
0: we don't see this play out exactly, but like he obviously starts going underground probably because he waited for the message. He might have received Obi-Wan's message of, where they say, don't come back mm-hmm. to Coruscant, like, yeah. hide, you know, w- you know, wait for the Force to give us a vision of where our f- future is, and, you know, just protect yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know that Cal, when we first meet him, has been working for years, scrapping, cutting yeah. apart these, the leftover ships, the Venerator-class Star Destroyers and stuff from the Clone Wars, and we are scrapping them to make new Imperial Star Destroyers <laughs> and stuff. And it's, it's, it's a really haunting idea that this this young Jedi his whole job is helping build the thing that took everything away from him it's it's yeah. a good dichotomy and he has essentially suppressed his force powers he's done almost everything he can to forget in a way and again he has that lightsaber on him which means he he still is who he is but he's been just trying to stay low trying to stay out of the limelight and just waiting for a moment for you know him to figure out what the next phase of his life is he's like just kind of doomed to this and he's like if I say anything if I do anything you know they'll be on me and he's right yeah because when his friend almost dies he reaches out with the force and saves his friend and an Imperial probe droid sees that and the purge troopers and the Inquisitors
1: are like oh a force user A (laughs) On him in minutes. It's so quick. It's unbelievable. And all of his fears, you know, about Order 66. Think about that. That's the last experience you have with the Republic. This entity that you thought you were fighting for and is trying to protect you. Right. And you're a child still, by the way. Yeah. Your master's killed in front of you. All of your friends, all of your fellow soldiers turn on you and try to kill you. You're stranded on an unfamiliar junk planet with half of a lightsaber and no resources.
0: Yeah, and now you're like nineteen or twenty, and have spent the last five years just eking out this kind of pitiful existence. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's it's there is so much emotional resonance to Cal's story that, like, I'll be blunt: I did not think Electronic Arts had it in them to make narrative based games like this outside of like. Actually, not even with their Bioware properties like, you know, um, Anthem and a couple of other of their projects definitely were like, yeah, we have story, guys, right? We we have story. Yeah, I think we have story. Yeah, <laughs> or or like the first, you know, the first thing that EA did was uh, Star Wars Battlefront, great multiplayer shooter what if you don't like multiplayer shooters? Oh, we have nothing for you. (laughs) Um, and like battlefront two comes out and like, we have a campaign, which we will talk about in a moment. Um, we have a campaign. Awesome. Is it really good? It's really, really good. How long is it? Like three hours. It's longer than that. But what it I'm some saying, credit. No, I what don't. I'm saying is it's not long enough to justify the product on its own, right? Um, which is why well, I waited for a sale to get it. Um, but like fun. Order is like a a 15 to 30 hour game, depending mm-hmm. on how you play it. And mm-hmm. it's this all these moments. Because I would say that this, I think, was the most haunting like account of Order 66. It really cuts to the core. You really get that feeling of camaraderie. And like, again, the whole world just evaporating around this kid. And I think it was the best one until I think there are notes of it that we see in the last finale of Clone Wars when we see Sword of Six Six from Ahsoka's perspective, which is not really what we're talking about. Like, But when I saw that, it echoed back to this and made both of those scenes resonate and mm-hmm. feel like... You could feel just how bad it is for a person on a Star Destroyer surrounded on with no exit, surrounded on all sides yeah. by your friends who now want to kill you.
1: <laughs> what it really is. So, you, you know, you hear that like your friends, you're surrounded by your friends who want to kill you and all that. What this essentially is, every time we see a different variant of Order 66 in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. What we're seeing is essentially a representation of the dark side growing stronger. Right. That's what it all comes down to. So now when we see all these different pieces of the story come together, Ahsoka's Order 66, Cal's Order 66, obviously the Order 66 we see in Episode 3, yeah. and you know what we see now in novelizations and all that, we're only going like, to get more as we go. Like in the
0: comic book Kanan, we get to see sort of how bad it went mm-hmm. for him, and it's a similar thing of like, hey, they're... He's talking to some clones, and then they go, oh, we need to kill you and your master. But we were friends. Yeah, we're
1: not anymore. Sorry about that. (laughs) And it's just how heartbreaking that is, especially for these young, idealistic Padawans Mm -hmm. who believe the Jedi Order can do no wrong, and the Republic is... 100% 100% above reproach. Like it cannot be questioned. It is worth fighting for. And here we're seeing what happens when those beliefs get shaken. And frankly, the Jedi who survive Order 66 are some of the most interesting characters we've seen in Star Wars. Right. Because Ahsoka, Kanan, Cal, they're something now that isn't a Jedi.
0: Yeah. No, no one who seemingly has obvious force powers makes it through the dark times. The, the purge and the purge troopers seemed very effective at catching the ones that the initial order didn't catch. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't really have almost any stories of that, but again, seeing how haggard the quote unquote order 66 survivors are, we can tell that at least in all three of those cases you just mentioned, it has been a struggle for the amount of time they have been for alive sure. trying to avoid detection.
1: It's a constant struggle because as soon as one little slip up, you're packing your bags and starting over. Yeah, there's no second chances. Yep, and that is crazy to think about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 really powerful stuff. And again,
0: I don't think this is the last one we'll do, but like, I think for Cal Kestis, it's really good because I think Cal more than the other ones. Uh, I think Kanan's story might be there, but we kind of see Kanan as a young padawan when his master dies. At Order sixty six and yada yada yada, rebels happens. Mm-hmm. Like other than um, uh, Rebel Dawn, new, what's the novelization that you 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 were with Kanan? Yeah, a new dawn, a new yeah, dawn, yeah, a new yeah, dawn. Yeah, yeah. Uh, other than a new dawn, we don't really see him. We see him as an adult by the yeah. time we've seen him. Like. Cal is just bearing the scars of yeah. PSTD yeah. and just how wrecked he is as a person and how it's not... Him connecting with the Force is part of the healing process to become a, a person yeah. again. Because uh, the other thing you, we, we mentioned is this is kind of a showing off of all the skills you've been slowly unlocking as the situations in the game require Cal to reach beyond what he's been doing. You know, like, when the when he gets force pull, it's because if he doesn't use force pull right now, he will die. And in that moment, he has a flashback to his master yeah. reminding him of how it works, and he does the, does the thing and pulls it. From the moment we see Order 66 on, Cal has retain, ga- regained, like, all of his powers, and from here out, he's walking out beyond what he was. You know what I mean? He's becoming yeah. a more powerful man, which feels so earned by the end of the game, where Cal has really not only healed himself, but has become a person who's going to go off and face a destiny. He's sort of defining himself.
1: He will go on such a long, arduous journey Mm -hmm. with the friends he makes. And it's funny because the whole game, the entire experience is essentially about learning to get your powers back, Mm -hmm. And learning to confront your past so you can move him into your future. Right. And at the end of the game, yes, we have a future for Cal. We have sort of a general idea. But he is making his own path. He's not following the path that the Jedi set before him. Right. And that's what makes those characters so interesting. Is they're taking all of that experience that they've had, all of their teachings and they're doing something with it that is unique, that a Jedi who didn't go through Order 66 wouldn't be able to act and think and behave in the same way they do.
0: It lines up with the, what the sequel trilogy uh, is talking about, which is the fact of, for the f- moving forward, the Force is going to demand something different than the dichotomy of the Jedi and the Sith mm-hmm. that no longer is the way the universe flows. And this is kind of the start of like, Yes, he's he honors the Jedi way, but he knows he's got to do things differently. He's got to make up his own mind about how this has. It's not about recreating the order. Yeah. It's about trusting the Force to find a new way forward. And it's that's great. that's the story of Cal Kestis. Yeah. Again, I really encourage it's it's never been easier to get your hands on playing mm-hmm. this game. Um, and it's, it's just really great. I will also say for any reason, anyone out there is scared off by the fact that this is a a dark souls, bloodborne kind of like, you know, Mm. very thoughtful combat. I am absolutely abysmal at those games. And this game is really good about a bunch of accessibility options for people who may not have those skills to tune the game to, you can... If you can complete any video game, you should be fine with completing this game and seeing the whole journey through if you stick with it. Yeah,
1: it has a basic story mode that turns the difficulty down to essentially zero. So if that's your cup of tea, it's a great story and it's a great way to experience it. I started out on the highest difficulty and by the time I was done, I had lowered it down to second from the bottom just because I was enjoying the story so much. I didn't want to get bogged down in the difficulty of the gameplay and it was well worth it. So I highly recommend it. Fantastic. So um
0: this is probably not the last time we're going to revisit some great concepts from Fallen Order now that we're sort of opening the vein on it, but uh man,
1: what a story. I know. I really want to go back and replay it. It might be time.
0: It might be. But before that, we're going to go talk about a thing that has shown up recently that is sort of born out of a game.
1: Yeah. yeah, more video game content coming your way right after this.
0: You wish to see me, sir?
1: Approach. The Emperor is dead. So what happens now? We retaliate, Commander. The Empire will assault the very foundation of the rebels' pathetic belief in themselves. Tell me, Aiden. What is the source? ...of their belief.
0: Hope.
1: Correct. This messenger's presence is a great honor. One I choose to share with my daughter. Admiral Versio, Operation Cinder is to begin at once. Resistance. Rebellion. Defiance These are concepts that cannot be allowed to persist You are but one of
0: many tools by which these ideas shall be burned away Heed my messenger He shall lead you to your target
1: the dead speak over
0: and over and over again. You know, for a guy who's dead, he is pretty noisy, isn't he? Sure is. He <laughs> sure is. So, Sheev Palpatine yeah. dies. You can't see my finger quotes, but he dies. He dies. Um, at the Battle of Endor. Uh-huh. By being thrown down a reactor pit and then that reactor blowing up. Uh-huh. Um, but he gets better. That's 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 episode nine. Yeah. Um, but in the meantime, um, the Emperor, being a very, very clever and vindictive person, Uh-huh. Put together a series of plans just referred to as the
1: contingencies. Yeah, just in case his apprentice were to turn on him and throw him down a reactor shaft. Or just just anything, just if anything would happen. I I think he
0: probably wrote them more in a, if I caught a disease or if the dark side consumed me, like maybe I experimented too hard and and killed myself. Like, I don't think he's expecting Vader. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? So, but he put a set of contingencies together for um, his death and his demise. Um, And they really show the malice and hatred he has for all living things. Because one of the key strokes of this is a thing called Operation Cinder. Mm -hmm. Operation Cinder is sent out to a number of the upper middle uh, of the uh, Admiralty inside the Empire, because the actual best brass, um, they're they're leaving, man. They're they're headed to the unknown regions to go put something together. Um, they're going to this place called Exegol. Have you heard of it? You <laughs>
1: um, need a wayfinder
0: to get there. Yeah, you, you a Sith wayfinder. Uh-huh. It's through it's through a maelstrom.
1: Yeah, it's there tough. are only two maids. You're gonna need this dagger. It's a whole thing. <laughs>
0: it's. <tough. laughs> I think that the Imperials probably have some transponders. Coordinates based on the Sith mm-hmm. transponder to get them in there. I think that just there's no way to get it because all of those are already Exegol as they've pulled everything back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But what we see happen is um, just a couple of weeks after the Battle of Endor, Admiralty, like um, Admiral Verso, is the one we see firsthand. Yeah. A messenger droid arrives.
1: And it, the messenger droids are just the coolest thing in the world. They are rad. They're, so. Oh, go ahead.
0: Go ahead. So, and I found out, I don't think they have an official name. They're just referred to as Messenger In yeah. all the reference I could find. I thought they were called the Voices of the Emperor and they remind me of the concept of the Metatron. The Metatron being from Judeo Christianity of like, here's this guy whose only job is to tell you the vo- voice of God because your brain can't handle direct communication <laughs> with God. I have to be an intermediary. And this is how it feels of like, mm-hmm. you're not important enough to get an audience with the Emperor I'm here to speak for him. <laughs> yeah. Um and so these kind of cardinal robed, they are they're, they're not as bright red as the Imperial Guards. Yeah, more like a
1: dark blood red. But
0: they're they still they got that presence mm-hmm. and they're wearing these sweet daft punk helmets. <laughs> I mean, really, wouldn't you it's like yeah. three
1: force yeah. mirror to me, it's more like Mysterio in Spider-Man. It's more like the fishbowl. It's a little
0: more head shaped
1: yeah yeah it's just this oh, crystal yeah. this crystal gem
0: inset mm-hmm. in this red plastic steel, yeah like um what would you call that I like, like almost a um cradle
1: Ooh. yeah okay and you can see the front basically but the, there's kind of like a high collar almost holding it on it's got a really cool look and when one of these droids comes up to you, it has the face of Emperor Palpatine being projected on the inside of A it. A holographic representation of, the, of
0: him appears inside this fishbowl. And it is creepy. It's very creepy, especially considering he's dead. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, the thing about it... Well, that's the thing is, so yeah. most people, like... Most of the people who are at the Battle of Endor, know. Yeah, he dead. Yeah, he dead. <laughs> I know he was there. We had the VIP list of things of... You will die if you don't protect
1: X. <laughs> you had his rider. He Okay, he needed green M&Ms. <laughs> and he, we needed but only to, green. Yeah, we needed to be ready for when Palp showed up. Actually, I think he would be,
0: I only read M&Ms. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, So there are a number of people who know the Emperor's dead. Yeah. But in the aftermath of the Battle of Endor, it is a very hot contested issue of whether he died or not. The rebels are fairly convinced they did it because one of their commanders said he's dead. And he's a guy we trust pretty deeply. So if Luke says the Emperor's dead, I assume he's correct. We also had many Bothan spies to let us know that the Emperor was overseeing the end of this construction. We don't have a body because it blew up in a
1: reactor, but
0: we're pretty confident
1: we got him. Pretty sure. We're pretty sure. Masamita is not saying anything. He's holed up in Coruscant. Not giving any information, that's got to mean something, right?
0: just saying we can take the Ace of Spades out of the terrorist deck. That one's done.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, Operation Cinder begins. And what is the Emperor's plan? Like, what is the point of all of this? Mac, tell us, what does Operation Cinder look like? The point of it is,
0: we believe the Emperor is dead, and the Emperor is like, no, if I died, the Empire and its enemies will not outlive me. (laughs) (laughs) So his whole thing is something chaotic must've happened that caused me to be incapacitated, dead, whatever. You will go forth and you will crack down harder than the empire ever has to remind them who is got the hand on the, on the leash. Regardless of anything that's happened, we will reassert our absolute iron fist dominance over the galaxy. And the way we see this manifest firsthand in where this original information comes from, which is the story missions from the single-player campaign from Battlefront 2. Two. Is we see Operation Cinder from an Imperial foot soldier's perspective. Yes. Um, Aiden Urso is present with her father on the bridge of the Star-, Star Destroyer when this droid comes up. Yeah. And the order it gives, she's like, are we gonna do that? Because it's,
1: go to your home planet and destroy it. (laughs) So, basically, Operation Cinder, they have these giant satellites, these giant weather-producing satellites. And basically, they hover in the planet's atmosphere, and they're weapons. They can produce targeted storms. And so, basically, the Emperor's Order, Operation Cinder, is to destroy worlds that are important To the galactic society, basically, the empire, leave them in ashes so that way the republic cannot use them to rebuild. So, and they will not, they will learn not to fail the emperor himself,
0: right? Because the idea here is that, and and the what her father, the admiral, explains to her as he tries to justify this to himself, Mm -hmm. um, is that this is the punishment for our failure to protect mm-hmm. our emperor. Mm-hmm. If he had lived, we would not need this. But the Imperials need to understand that this is a failure on our part and we must redouble our efforts. We must reassert even more fear, more control. We have been too weak and too lenient at this <laughs> point. If there's one thing the Empire is known for, it's leniency. So they go to Vardas mm-hmm. and Vardas is an Imperial um, stronghold. It is, like, you can tell that when when the emperor came, these people were like, they were doing the imperial salute before anybody. They were hardliner, true believers. You know, they were excited. They, they're the ones cheering when they said, yeah, make him emperor. <laughs>
1: yeah, they support him.
0: So, you basically go into what looks like the middle of Berlin in the 40s with just propaganda of the empire sl- yeah. on every single building. And you have all these people around you as you're moving through the city, just kind of talking about like, well, you know, the, we're, we're the stronghold of the empire. We love the empire. We, we've done everything we can for the empire. Obviously they'll save us from these storms that are starting to happen because most of the people on the ground do not know that these, <laughs> weather, you know, these weather destabilization satellites are the Imperial's doing. Mm -hmm. And her job is to basically get to the city center and extract this one asset, this um aqualish who
1: she's supposed to bring back yeah and as she gets there and she is with the other members of her squad inferno squad by the way yes uh, and we should also point out just a tiny bit of backstory because some of this is told in the battlefront 2 inferno squad novelization which is a really solid new canon star wars book highly recommended if you like imperial stories but the main character iden versio daughter of uh Basically, a high up, uh, high ranking officer one, in the military. One of the admirals. Yeah, one of the admirals in the imperial military. Uh, they formed this task force after the Death Star, the first Death Star. Aiden was at the first Death Star. She survived the explosion. She was out in a snub fighter. She crash lands on Yavin, steals an enemy ship, makes it back to the Empire. One of the few people to survive the Death Star incident, and basically, her and a very small task force firm. Form what is called Inferno Squad. So that's how we get here, by the way. She's basically this diehard Imperial raised to be a lover of the Empire from her father, who's a lifelong and, military guy.
0: And has been a rebel hunter for since yeah. the Battle of Yavin. Yeah. Her squad is just systematically going and ripping apart
1: rebel cells with vengeance. Yes. And so here is where we see Aiden arrive on Vardos. She's basically having an argument with Gideon, another one of her squad mates. And basically he's saying, no, we have to stay loyal. We have to do what we're told. We're supposed to get this one target and leave. And she's saying, well, what about all of our troops? What about all of the people who will die here? All of the civilians? This can't be what we're doing. This can't be why we're here. I understand
0: what the orders are, but that's for infrastructure, not people. Right? It's kind of like the the read between the lines. and What you're seeing is this woman who has done horrible things in the name of preserving the New Order, seeing that the New Order doesn't give a crap about its people or the ideals that it pins on itself. That it was all propaganda. Mm -hmm. Because when push comes to shove, a dead man is ordering my father and other people to kill Imperial citizens to prove some maniac point about like You should have been stronger. Yep. And you are spending this entire time walking through the city as hurricanes are forming on a planet that has planetary control. So they don't even have bad weather, let alone a (laughs) hurricane. And all these Imperial citizens who are just like, what did we do? Why do we
1: deserve this? Yeah. And
0: this team has seen the order. So they're like,
1: you don't. We know you don't. (laughs) And we should also point out incidents like this are happening all across the galaxy right this isn't isolated so this is the first uh bit of operation cinder we see but we see even on jakku you know we learn in the third aftermath book that yes. there is a, a you know a plan to destroy that planet and to destroy the fleet above the planet we see uh in uh, alphabet squadron Mm-hmm. Uh, a pilot who uh, Erica Quell, who I think the name should be pronounced Eureka because it's spelled R-I-Y-R-I-C-A, but it's, it's... pronounced Erica. Uh, wouldn't Eureka be a fun name? Anyway. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. That's uh, just something that's been bothering me for two years with those books. Anyway. You can write this stuff, but you can't say. Yeah. So we see lots of bits of Operation Cinder all throughout mm-hmm. the galaxy, and the reason we're talking about Operation Cinder this week is because it pops up in The Mandalorian, getting mentioned in live action. Yeah. So we're hearing the, basically the story of Operation Cinder, like we said, is to
0: disrupt either loyal or unloyal planets of the Empire. It, it's, it's revenge, essentially. Yeah. And we are talk about the planet of Boring Con Burning con. I want to say burning. It's not burning. There's no G. That's what it sounds like it should be though, isn't it? But Burning con is a planet that was actually, it, one of the great things about the Disney machine with <laughs> Star Wars is they're very clever of once they have something on the board and like, yeah, we're going to do this. Mando season two is going to probably make a nod to this. Oh, okay. Well then, hey, what's that one book we have written right now? have not just put a sentence in there before it goes to the publisher, right? You're just getting things stitched in because this, this planet is mentioned in, uh, I can't remember the source off the top of my head right now, but it's already been mentioned by the time we get to last week's episode. But this is a planet where they have presumably done the weather machines because Operation Cinder seems to be built around this um, scouring process yeah. because we know of a firsthand story of Naboo is, is, ripped apart by essentially a starter showing up, putting out these things. At this point, Naboo has been demilitarized because it's now like the yeah. Imperial retreat. It's the vacation camp David for the empire. Um And they have like within an hour, five class five hurricanes ripping the planet apart. Mm-hmm. It's it's real bad news. <laughs> so we assume that's happening. But one thing we do know is that wasn't enough for this planet Apparently that didn't do enough. So we're sending legions of deta- of troops, like full departments and detachments down to the planet. Because as we saw last week, we... This is a part where they say, you know, in filmmaking, you always, you know, show, don't tell. <laughs> this is a part where telling, I think, is worthy of sh- not needing to show you. As our character, Mick Mayfield, is, we, we kind of see him go from being a black hearted kind of villain mercenary, which we saw him in season one to finding out why he's such a broken person. Because when he walks in to do his job, to go get this face scan at this terminal and get the man to the information, they came to this base to find, he sees his old CO, his old commanding officer is in there and he's like, I can't. Yeah. Uh, was Ivan Hess? Uh, yes. Hess. Hess. I just wrote yeah. down his, yeah. Yeah. Um, Hess and he's like, I can't do that. That's that's Hess. It's like I used to serve under him. And Mando's like, Will you recognize him? I'm like, I don't know, but we're out. I can't. I <laughs> can't take the risk. Uh and the Mando's like, no, you don't understand. This is my child, and I am space dad. I am gonna get my child back. <laughs> <laughs> no other options. And so we see the Mando go in and he's gonna do it himself. And Miggs is like, Mayfield's like, how you how you gonna how are you going to do this? You gotta show your face. And you just get kind of a grutteral noise from the man. (laughs) He's like, I'll figure something out as he goes over and takes off his helmet.
1: Yeah, he walks into the room and it's in the officer's mess. That's where the terminal is. And he walks in and he sees Valinette sitting there and he salutes him. And then he walks over to the terminal. And I love it the whole time because it's a long drawn out scene. You can just see everybody's kind of looking at him like, what are you doing? Do so you, you got, take your helmet off? You to take your helmet off before the, what do you yeah. do? <laughs> and he just like, they can all tell something's a little bit off. And eventually, even though Mando is able to take his helmet off and successfully get the information he needs about the location of Moff Gideon. Which I just want to say, just for speculation fun time. Yeah. Why does his face work in an imperial registry? See, I don't think it's a matter of his face... Because ne- I think the code cylinder is what makes it work. I think scanning the face is just a... Record it's of your who record. It's your, it's your unique identifier. What's what's your operating number? Who is yeah. this? Yeah. And it is a little odd, I think, but I guess that's what I, a code cylinder is for.
0: Yeah. I, there's just a part of me that wonders, like, I'm just curious what, if any, ramifications that might have. Well, I guess yeah. it won't. The base is blown up, but... You know, I don't know what the holonet's set up. Yeah, in this. I mean,
1: the base was blown up, but hey, we've seen other things from previous seasons come back now in Mando. It could happen. I'm just saying, is that access code?
0: Is that backed up to the cloud?
1: Like, <laughs> <laughs> saved in his keychain. So yes. once he gets done with this,
0: Hess just kind of comes over and is like, "What are you? What, what's, going what's going on? What are you? What are you doing?" And at this point, the Mando's made. Yeah. Because it's like, "What's your operating number?" It's like, oh, "I'm a uh, troop transport." No, not your mm. job, son. What's your What's your TK number?
1: Ooh.
0: Uh, <laughs> uh. I'm gonna go with yeah yeah, yeah yeah. TK one. You only have one what? Ooh, I guess I'm in trouble. Oh boy. And it's great because Mayfield shows up. He he mm-hmm. he instead of turning you would expect him to leave the Mando to this, because <laughs> he's shown himself to be fairly squirrely and mercenary and yeah. He comes over and he's like, yeah, this is my friend, TK, uh, what are you, Four eight oh four? What? Yeah, he's my commanding officer. He lost an eardrum back in the day, like, doesn't hear
1: good out of that ear. Isn't that right, boss? And I love how Hess just commits to it, like, oh, okay, and he shouts at him. I was asking what your TK <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And so they have this very awkward conversation and they sit down to have a drink. Because... These guys in the episode have just done this amazing thing. They're the only ones to get their
0: transport across the line into the base. Everyone's celebrating them. Even Hess is like, good job, boys. Let me get you a drink. And they're all like, great. We'd love to do that. (laughs) (laughs) And while they're talking, you know, Mando is great because Mando's just like, I really want to put my helmet on. I am out of my
1: element. I don't yeah, like this. He just looks like that. He he looks like me when he's forced to talk to someone his parents know, but you've never met. <laughs> and when I say me, I mean me like twenty years ago. But you get the no, point. No, just just that. Um, all right. Well, these uh, just 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 chat them up.
0: So, are you know hockey? Hate hockey. How about start? I nah, don't watch movies. Okay. Um, Wonderful weather we're having. <laughs> yeah. And and so the Mando is just like not helping this conversation no, at all. So Mayfield's just trying to fast talk it. Yeah. And Hess starts talking about like the glory of the Empire, and that leads to talking about Burning Khan. And Mayfield starts talking about Burning Khan too. Yeah. <laughs> and he starts going like, Yeah, no, I was uh, I was there. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, you know, I, I was with a detachment. Uh, Almost ten thousand of us uh, went and fought in that battle, and and, and all died. He's yeah. like, but not you, son. He's like, yeah, not me. <laughs> it's like, but those those other guys died. It's like, well, yeah, heroes of the empire. Oh, sure. dead heroes. Yeah, dead heroes. It is great because it is such a. Yeah. It tells you so much about
1: this character, uh huh, so quickly because yeah. the performance is. Oh, it's outstanding! Great. Bill Burr has an amazing go in this episode.
0: Now, I told you when it happened when I first played Battlefront Two because you'd already played it. I'm like, yeah. Operation Cinder's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you didn't like it at first, well you because it's so mustache twirling, black hat Saturday yeah. Mar cartoon villainry. Yeah. Because it's like we're going to destroy the loyal worlds. Why would you destroy your own infrastructure if you want to reassert your your dominance over the empire? Mm-hmm. You don't. Blow up the, the loyal citizens are the one you build on to keep the empire. Especially if you're coming back in 30 years. But this scene and the way Hass has convinced himself yeah. that he has not just done the right, you know, not just done something he can live with, but he did the right thing. Yeah. His breakdown of like, yeah, we did what we had to do. We needed to make sure people knew that we were still there and we were in charge. And if that meant blowing up people who couldn't handle it, they were weak anyway. It's fine to call that out of ourselves so we can come back stronger. Like he is selling Operation Cinder of, oh, this is just delusional. this is this is we are getting to the point that like this is Nuremberg trial, people trying to tell you that like, no, I had to. It was the right thing to do. You can't judge me by your standard. you have to judge me by my standard, <laughs> right? And then Mayfield just breaks it down until he's just essentially like, subtext, you're a monster, you ordered all of my friends to their death, it is a miracle I survived, and I am haunted by 10,000 souls are dead, and you don't even have the decency to tell me that it was wrong. (laughs)
1: And that is this great thing that we have now post-Return of the Jedi in Star Wars mm-hmm. is this sort of breaking point of Operation Cinder where many uh, you know, loyal members of the Empire essentially turned and left or defected to the New well, Republic or stuck with the Empire, stayed with these remnants, or ended up in jail. Well, because Hess represents the kind of people that you want – are going to end up making the
0: First Order, which yeah. explains why the First Order is so much – It is massaging, in my opinion, something I always felt was weird, (laughs) which is on Starkiller base in episode seven, fanatical speech, Hux has moved up the troop. And then we have to just remind you, just in case you're missing the idea that we are in fact space Nazis, let me just make sure that's clear. Like, cause the first order is significantly more evil (laughs) than the empire and it's things like Operation Cinder, the people that convince themselves it was right, that these innocent worlds that are loyal to them are worthy of destruction just to prove a philosophical point. Um, and the links these people go to justify their actions, mm-hmm. it really, it represents, like you said, this bifurcation where Hess is a guy who would eventually be called up to wear a First Order uniform. And Mayfeld represents the fact of why the Empire could not control and hold onto the worlds, and why the New Republic was able to sort of topple them after Empire as easily as they did, because they did so much destruction to themselves in the days after the uh, after Endor.
1: Yeah, the Emperor, the Empire—it's like eating its own tail. Yeah, exactly. That, I mean, it's basically—it's just—it's doing what it can, but you have so many, you know, leaders, quote unquote, leaders vying for power. In this vacuum, you have worlds that need the support of a government that are just not getting it. And you have a whole bunch of a basically a big standing army mm-hmm. that doesn't have anything to go fight. So what are you going to do? Yeah, you're going to sit around and you're going to plan. You're going to prepare. You're going to continue to do things that get ready for the Empire's return. And so it is a bit odd to have all of this, all these cities, all these true believers blown up in operation cinder but i think what it comes down to is very Mm -hmm. simple right the emperor is not a man who believes in politics first once he ascends to the rank of emperor he is no longer emperor palpatine as we saw him in the prequels he is now fully focused on his sith goals Is my opinion. He's kind of back to being Sidious more than any other being. So, yeah. So when he lashes out with something like Operation Cinder and destroys all of these believers, that to me feels like something a Sith Lord is doing, not like someone who's trying to take over the galaxy politically in 30 years. And then we end up seeing he doesn't. Right. He doesn't try and perform another political coup. He tries to perform a military coup. Right. At this
0: point, he's he, and and we see Operation Cinder now seems like especially when it came out because what it was 2017
1: 2018? No, it was, no, 2017, 16 was, maybe. No, because I thought the first one I think was 15, so maybe it was 17. No, think, it was 17 because it 17. was before the last Jedi, yeah. So it was right before the last Jedi. So we see Operation Cinder and we're seeing the in my opinion, the
0: madness of the Emperor that like, hey, if I died, Mm -hmm. it's your fault. You all deserve to die too. You see that extend (laughs) out to Rise of Skywalker where here's a fleet of things that are going to blow up planets. Well, aren't we trying to get control? No, I'm trying to spread darkness through the entire galaxy and punish everyone who has ever wronged me or any source of light that could stand against me. We will create a vacuum of void to serve the dark side before I let any of you have anything
1: and that's what he does yeah and i mean to a certain extent even though a lot of people do a lot of different things to stop cinder from killing different planets off uh there are a lot thousands upon thousands of people who die senselessly and again yep breaking the empire because what's great is we
0: have already have some previews of this this era because we we also have the story of star wars uprising with uh moff what is it edelhard Mm -hmm. is the moff who basically builds the iron blockade he basically goes to the anotes uh um over sector blockades it off which is where some important plants like hoth and um bespin are and basically just says like ember no i didn't hear that did you hear that no no one's ever heard of that hey can i leave you can't leave no one can leave everyone has to (laughs) stay here where it's safe yeah um, there's such a great idea of all these Imperials just kind of losing their minds as like operation cinder comes out and like well who's in charge? what's heh, the emperor and his black mask scary guy are dead so <laughs> yeah. Masami are you in charge? Mas is like the yeah. imperial residence going like I saw nothing <laughs> um you know, like it, it, you can see the empire was... Wholly based on the emperor and with him gone there is no central connectivity and I hope eventually we get more stories as we stitch Operation Cinder even deeper Mm -hmm, into the lore mm -hmm. I'm waiting for like oh yeah well here's this one Moff who's now a high ranking member of the New Republic well why do we let them Um, because he stand down and surrendered to us when Operation Cinder went because he's like I'm not doing that (laughs)
1: yeah i'll be interested to see if we get more characters like that over time uh if you're interested in operation cinder there's plenty of material to check out yeah we already called out battlefront 2 and the battlefront 2 tie-in novel uh, yep. inferno squad but it's worth checking out the alphabet squadron books they have a yes. lot to do with their main character is a uh, uh deserter after operation cinder um The Aftermath Trilogy is worth checking out to learn more about Operation Cinder. So there is a lot of info out there. And it's a really cool thing in Star Wars that's only expanding. And such a dark, dark, dark thing. Yes. You can also read, I should mention...
0: The, there's also the destruction of Naboo I mentioned. That's in the Shattered Empire series of comic books mm-hmm. is where that comes mm-hmm. from. So mm-hmm. again, it's an important piece of Star Wars. And again, as the Mandalorian expands and we start sketching in more details, you know we first got the Battle of Jakku and the signing of the Galactic Concordant. Like those aftermath yeah. years, the denouncement of the the Empire is starting to become a very interesting
1: place in Star Wars. And only more to add to it from here. It's going to be great. I think we said it we can. I think you're right, Mac. You ready to wrap this one up? Let's go. Mac, we want to take a pause from the show here to talk about something that's very important and something we've talked about before. The fact that Star Wars needs to be a place for everybody. That
0: means that everybody Needs to be welcome.
1: Yeah. And, you know, luckily you and I were uh, both uh, brought up in a way and have experienced life in a way that we feel pretty open uh, to mm-hmm. all sorts of different people. But we definitely understand that there are a lot of people out there in different situations who maybe have some different opinions than us. And of course, there are times when differing opinions are perfectly great and valid. But when it comes to human rights, it's something that we believe should belong to every person. And so today, what we're to talk to you briefly about is a fundraiser that has been started by some other members of the Star Wars community. And we just want to take a minute and amplify it a little bit.
0: Yeah, I mean, something we heard at the end of Last Jedi that Rose says is that we're going to win this war not by fighting what we hate, but by saving what we love. And Mm -hmm. what's great about fundraisers like this is we're trying to promote the positive things that this community can do for not just ourselves and Star Wars fans,
1: but the world. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yes. And uh, it's fun to point out too, hey, that's also the Jedi's philosophy. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think a lot of people forget about that. But anyway, this uh, fundraiser, which you can find on GoFundMe, and if you search, it is titled Trans Rights are Human Rights. This is the way. Mm -hmm. And this is a fundraiser that's been going on for a little while now. They've raised over $11,000 at the time of recording this. Isn't that insane? $11,000.
0: It's exciting, but it's still can go further. Mm -hmm. And that's why we want to boost that voice and let you
1: know about it so that you can support it. Absolutely. So please feel free to seek this out. We are going to share the links on our Twitter uh, as well in the coming weeks uh, to go along with our different Mandalorian segments that we're going to be doing. But uh, we also just want to point out why does this exist, right? Well, where this money is going is to the Trans Law Center to Mm -hmm. help defend people who can't defend themselves against um, either physical attacks or discrimination right and so what we're trying to do here is just let you know that these things are very important to us Mm -hmm. and this is the kind of community that we will have here at star wars all in so let's just look at it this way we're star wars all in for a reason because it's
0: all in on star wars and everyone belongs and this is all about following the way, which is to accept everyone just the way they are and support people's fights to be the people that they are. Well,
1: boom. That's that's the end of that. One good shot, it's all gone. We're all done here. We're all done. You know, sometimes one shot's all you need. Plenty of classic instances of this. Han shooting Greedo. Luke shooting proton torpedoes at the Death Star. I mean, I think he shot two, but, you know, hey. 50-50 uh, shot. Vi- <laughs> one worked, one didn't. Mayfield shooting uh, Valen Hess once. You know, single shot. Sometimes that's all it takes. I have to admit I really didn't like the fact of like, oh, I'm an Imperial sharpshooter.
0: And it was kind of cool with the double pistols in the first season, but like mm-hmm. to see him just like take a deep
1: breath and make an insane sniper shot. Yeah. That was really nice. It was a nice change. Yes, it was great. It felt real good. <laughs> it did. That whole episode felt real good. It felt like real fun classic Star Wars adventure. I can't believe we only have one episode left. And we won't be able to talk about it for two weeks because next week we don't have a normal episode. Next week we have our holiday special. So we've got a special episode coming your way uh, talking a couple things, Star Wars holiday. So stick back next week for that. And then two weeks from now, we will have our year in review show where we discuss everything Star Wars that's happened this year, our favorite parts of it, And then three weeks from now, we have our Looking to the Future show, our next year's show. So we're going to talk about what's coming up, what to expect in season three of Star Wars All In, and what we can look forward to next year in Star Wars.
0: And so if you're listening to these in real time, you were probably pretty amazed with the last episode of Mandalorian, but you had no idea that the day before it, we were going to get the most gargantuan info dump of Star Wars news ever we will not be discussing that until our January uh the first one of 2021 but we're excited yep. because there's a lot more going on in star
1: wars in the future. Yeah, we'll have a lot a lot to discuss. We won't just be talking about 2020 and 2021. I see it as we'll be talking about Everything we've gotten in Star Wars up to this point, because well, we really are turning the page on a new era now. Disney has had their first crack at Star Wars. We got five movies, a TV show, the finale to a TV show we thought was over, right, and a whole plethora of books and action figures and comics, and now... Wave two with the High Republic launching, mm-hmm. new movies and film shows announced, new shows starting next year and in the years to come. There is plenty of Star Wars to go around. I think that's the only thing I do want to mention is just like how exciting it is to yes, finally,
0: after all the fear, yes, there's a new Star Wars movie on yeah, the t- books. Totally, <laughs> totally, totally, totally. We're, we're going to keep moving forward and it's going to be great. We've never been closer. Now, we are in the season of giving. So we do want to make mention that we do have one more giveaway for the season of giving that we will be announcing the winner of before
1: our holiday special. We do. So at the beginning of the episode, we announced the winner of the Grogu with Frog Pop. Last Mm -hmm. week, we gave away a copy of Thrawn Ascendancy. So, Mac, this week, we've got a new giveaway. Yay! Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. This week, we are giving away a Star Wars Lego set. Mm Mm-hmm. Now... This Lego set is not just any Lego set. This is a Lego store exclusive set. And this is the Death Star 2 Attack Run mini build. Mac, tell us about this set. All right. So um, it was, I think, a
0: May the 4th special is where it came out. Um, Lego is very good about, like, um, if you're a VIP member when they have certain events, you buy X amount of stuff from them, and they will send you a gift of another set that only comes if you had bought stuff on that certain day. So for May the 4th, um, they sent um, one of the big new sets was an A-Wings-based set. So it's A-Wings and Ties fighting over the landscape of the Death Star 2. Yes. Um, and it's a very cool little diorama piece. Uh, and again, was exclusive to that May the 4th sale. So a little bit on the rarer side, just because there was only one chance you could have gotten it.
1: So if that Lego set sounds like something you'd like to build this holiday, head on over to our Twitter uh, starting right now. And through December 21st, you have a chance to enter. So that's Twitter.com. Star Wars All In is what you can search to find us.
0: And we are excited to see you there because this is the closest we've ever been to the future of Star Wars. We have never, ever been closer. And we can't wait to experience with you. I'm Mac. And I'm Ross. And until next Wednesday, may the Force be with you. This production is not endorsed by any other property and is the sole responsibility of Mac Purvis III, Ross Greco, and those involved in its production. It is meant for entertainment purposes only. Other than content provided by this production's providers, all music, music clips, sound bites, rights are reserved, and their respective owners have not endorsed any aspect of this show. Copyright 2020.